Good morning. Welcome to the Nolan Finley Show on the 910 AM Superstation. I'm Nolan Finley from the Detroit News, joined by my producer, Andre Ash. Good morning. Martin Patton's on the keyboard. Good morning. And we have a very special guest co-host yes, this morning, Chad Livingood, Cranes Detroit Business. Chad, thanks for getting up early and coming out and seeing us. Happy to be here, Nolan. Lots to talk about, Chad. It was a newsy weekend, and you can talk with us, too, 313 313- Seven seven eight seven six hundred. Chad covers business development, all sorts of other things for Crazy Detroit. We're going to talk about a lot about what's going on in the city as we go through this morning. We got mm-hmm. to talk. Start out talking about, of course, the news of the day or the news of the weekend, perhaps the news of the month. The Robert Mueller report, mm-hmm. long awaited. Uh, Robert Mueller was a special prosecutor looking into charges that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia uh, during the 2016 election. Reports out, apparently no evidence of collusion, which is what Donald Trump had been saying right along. Um, But rather than being happy about that, we got a whole lot of people who are sad that the president didn't get indicted uh, on any of the the, the charges he was being investigated I, I found it just almost hilarious on Friday night watching Chris Matthews explode. He felt like he'd been person, personally betrayed on MSNBC, and Rachel Maddow was crying. Almost teary-eyed, now, yeah. you would think it's we would all breathe a national sigh of relief that we're not going to have a president facing trial for colluding with the Russians. But that is not how our politics work today. Uh, the, the, the reaction has been, of course, almost predictable. Uh, we never thought, I never thought at least that Democrats would take this and say, ah, we were wrong. Okay, good. Let's move on. It's now all about, uh, obstruction of justice and the fact that Mueller didn't exonerate the president on obstruction of justice, didn't indict him either. This is not an unfamiliar prosecutorial trick though. Well, we can't indict you, or you were found not guilty, but that doesn't mean you're innocent. And uh, well, You've seen that before, Chad. Yes, but, uh, you know, I come from the camp of uh, trust but verify here. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Trust the attorney general, but let's verify, let's see the report so we can kind of read it, understand it, because it's just lifting quotes from the, from the, yeah, from and, the report. Yeah, and I think that's important for everybody. I don't know that we're ever going to see the full report. And, of course, Probably if we don't not. see every word of it, they're going to— they're, they're going to continue to say, but there are things by law Barr can't release. Yeah, there's transcripts to the grand jury and which such. are be, are key. Yeah, well, there'll be there'll be things that there's just investigatory information that certainly they cannot uh, release. But uh, there are there are aspects of this that are still unanswered questions here. And let's not forget, there's six associates for Donald Trump uh, from his campaign who are either in jail or facing uh, mm-hmm. possible prison time. In, and, and in the midst of prosecution, um, I mean, there's just uh, – uh, it's interesting. Yesterday, the, the president had uh, tweeted that he he got to complete and total exoneration. Exoneration well, he's was in, given to exaggeration. All caps. And then he told <laughs> – he turned around and told reporters at, at Mar-a-Lago uh, he called it an illegal takedown that failed. So it's like, okay, he's exonerated by an illegal takedown. Um, uh, so, it, it, you know, again, well, you know, it's the president. I mean, here's where – Exaggerate I, sometimes. I, you know, here's what I would say. I mean, there was a reason Congress suspended this special prosecutor 
law for a long time after the Ken Starr investigation. Because here you have, once again, a $25 million investigation that has disrupted the nation for two years. And in the end, it picks up some minnows, doesn't get the small, the big fish. They never get the big fish. And many of the people that you mentioned who are indicted are indicted for crimes that stem because of the investigation. They were right. accused of lying to the FBI or lying to Congress and others, you know, were accused of their personal bad personal dealings. Yeah, they took Not Paul one has been charged in relationship to collusion or, or anything to do with their service to the country or to the, the president. Yeah. I think of what we saw was, the problem is that people just lied about it. They lied about their contacts with Russians all along, mm-hmm. and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. It obviously kind yeah. of raised the, the 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 temperature of this of this probe. Um, ultimately, I mean, this probe itself actually, Mueller, Bob Mueller, wouldn't have been brought into this whole thing had the president not fired the FBI director James Comey. And so, it, you know, Wait, one thing kind of led to another. But here. there are a lot of threads you can pull in that regard, Chad. I mean. Uh, there wouldn't have been perhaps any reason to have an investigation if the politicized Obama Justice Department hadn't been out to get this president. And from uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok's and Andrew McCabe's uh, uh, emails, you clearly see a pattern that they were trying to get the, the, the president. You could not let Andy... McCabe continued to run this investigation. So if you were going to yep. investigate collusion, it was clear that Andy McCabe was compromised and biased and had a vendetta against the president. So you had to bring in a special prosecutor. And yeah. we also know that in an interview with Lester Holt on NBC, uh, the president said the whole reasoning for fire, firing Comey was because of the whole Russia thing. And so that almost kind of yeah, yeah, because he said, you know, the the way for this special well, sure. and, as well. He says really stupid things, and he's his own worst enemy here. And, you know, I think his best response throughout this whole thing would have just been been kept quiet. But, uh, you know, in the end, this report that was supposed to end this won't end this. And I think there's a risk in Democrats to keep pushing, pushing, pushing here. After the Mueller, Mueller report, it looks, indeed, for all the world what, what Donald Trump says it is a political rich, witch hunt. You know, I, mean, I was you got watching, the Mueller report. I was watching, you know, all this breaking news about the Robert Mueller uh, report and the summary that came out by William Barr. It was almost like watching Hillary Clinton lose the election again. I mean, it was, you know, oh, and, yeah. in tears, you know, for the investigation itself and the report, you know, that was turned in, um, it will be. It will be interesting to see the information that is let out and that what Congress will look at and what they – I mean, at the end of the day, Congress still has oversight to conduct investigations. They're going to pin out the points. Both sides are going to pin out the points that they want to pin out uh, to justify uh, their ends. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see – William Barr has the duty to really put out what he wants to put out, really, quite frankly. Well, I think he'll put out most of it. I think he'll put out what he can. Um, they're going to subpoena him. They're going to get pulled to Congress. Yeah, him and Mueller. And Mueller's going to testify before now, Congress. Does, yeah, perhaps. Um, I would assume both him and Mueller will will go to Congress. And whether they say anything else they haven't said in the report, you know, but that's going to be you know how those congressional hearings are. I mean, they're shows, they're circuses, yep. and 
every congressman will get a chance to put words in their mouths and make their statement. Let's hear from Paul. Paul, thanks for calling. Yes, good morning. Um, I'm hearing something today that from the purely language of the law is a bit bothersome. They said that the Mueller report did not exonerate the president. Well, pardon me, but exoneration can only come after a case has gone to trial. A criminal investigation can neither uh, find guilty nor find not guilty anyone. It can only indict. And that's right. And as we said in the beginning, Paul, that's a prosecutorial trick. Um, You know, I spent all this time and I didn't get any indictments, but it doesn't mean you're not guilty. Yeah. And one thing to be. Go ahead, Paul. Well, Mueller's walking a a real delicate line here. If you look at the composition of his committee where he hired Mm -hmm. 19 Democrat lawyers and they do not want to appear to have favored um, the candidate who's going to run on the Democrat side in 2020. They do not want to do anything to damage that cause. But the question is, yes, the Obama uh, DOJ was, in fact, involved. The meeting with Loretta Lynch on the tarmac telling uh, Comey that this would be yeah. called a matter and not Thank, an Thanks, Paul. Um, th- thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's right that the prosecutors don't exonerate. I mean, they either have enough evidence to Judges indict. and juries do. Yeah. Right. And this is not going there. Yep. And at the same time, um, this this investigation, even though Mueller kept it narrow, mm-hmm. unlike Ken Starr, where it just kind of went off into every yeah. sing, single uh, uh, shady thing that Bill Clinton might have been ever been involved in, um, Mueller handed off any shady things that he found along the way to other prosecutors, so that's why that's why that's why that's why we know about Stormy Daniels mm-hmm. and Michael Cohen's uh, um, uh, payoffs uh, mm-hmm. to porn stars, and now mm-hmm. Michael Cohen is going to jail, and and so at the same time, the Southern District of New York mm-hmm. um, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office is still has active investigations related to the president, his businesses, his foundation, so and the Attorney General's office in in New York, so. The legal issues for the president are not totally clear. Oh, this will but, go on but, and on. But this, and but on. this one big issue about whether the president was in on a grand conspiracy uh, with a foreign actor to steal the election uh, has seemingly been resolved, and which is not a small matter because that's what the the charge was in the beginning. That's what this apparently started stem from and started over, and it's what was the premise for this 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 underlying theme that that Trump stole the election and is not a legitimate president. And clearly the Russians did not, they did not work with, with the Russians. The report says that they found no evidence that they worked with the Russians to steal an election. And Trump can now use this, this whole, um, you know, this whole Robert Mueller thing, no collusion um, and as a triumphant win and say that any other investigation from here is pretty much overreach. Well, he could say that, but that, he could, but there are some serious things as Chad mentioned that mm-hmm. are the side things that are being investigated. I mean, the payoffs to stormy Daniels are not insignificant. I mean, that seems a, and the payoff sideshow, but it's serious. And he was reimbursing, um, uh, Michael Cohen 
while president. Uh, he was making these like monthly payments. Mm-hmm. So uh, as Michael Cohen showed, uh, you know, showed that check uh, famously at that uh, congressional hearing last month. So, yeah, so, th- these kind of things are going to roll on. The congressional Democrats are going to clearly use their uh, power not uh, going away. To, to try to keep this alive. Uh, probably all the way till, till election day, and, and or gonna, Or Trump is going to try to keep this issue alive as well by now countering, counterpunching how all of this perhaps began. Well, uh, and that's not an illegitimate. I think you have Horowitz um, investigating that aspect of it. Did a politicized Obama Justice Department try to undermine a duly elected president? I I think that's just as important a question as the Russian collusion question because that goes to our faith and our institutions not to put their thumbs on the scale in terms of of the political power structure mm-hmm. in this this country i think that's an important question and we'll be waiting for that vincent what's on your mind good morning to you and your and your uh, co-host and your guests uh that russian thing that president donald trump was referring to uh during the firing of comey uh, was the way that Mr. Comey exonerated Hillary Clinton before she was questioned, before she was interviewed. That's what he was referring to. He's just looking eloquent enough to state it in its in its entirety. Uh, that brings a new light to it. And then I'll just hang up and listen to the commentary. Well, well, James Comey, I mean, yeah, he fired James Comey at probably the absolute worst time he could fire him for appearance sake. But James Comey did a lot of things to merit firing. I mean, even even before you get to uh, Donald Trump, uh, James Comey was way too political during the two and visible during the 2016 election. I think a Democratic president would have fired James Comey. The timing of the firing was was curious. Well, we're pretty sure that Hillary Clinton would have fired James. Oh, Comey. gosh, yes, well, yeah, and hey, would today if she got a chance. Well, Democrats uh, liked them before they didn't like them. Uh, when James Comey had anything critical to say about Donald Trump, I mean, they, you know, they were all praise on him. But, you know, Democrats- but likewise, Republicans. I mean, he was a guy who was hated by one side one minute. And, the, and that <laughs> exactly, that sides. sometimes means you got things exactly right. But in this case, he had about everything wrong. Yeah. But it's interesting to see Democrats wanting William Barr to do what exactly they didn't want James Comey doing. And that's... Um, putting or shedding any light or opening more about this report than you wouldn't otherwise in an investigatory um, purposes. I mean, you know, there are just some things about this report that you just would not release publicly and and how they talked about how James Comey tilted the election towards Donald Trump, um, you know, in favor of him against Hillary Clinton. Well, you, you, if you're not going to indict then you don't scour people's, you know, innocent people's names here. And that's exactly what James Comey did. And that is something I think William Barr is also thinking about as well, that if we're not going, if Robert Mueller's report isn't going to indict some of these individuals, Americans, then we're going to keep their names out of it. Yeah, but they've already uh, charged and, and prosecuted several people here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unavoidable. That's a different and complete major distinction from the Clinton investigation uh, over over her email server. This was you know wider ranging, and obviously when they were doing that, they were digging into Paul Manafort and figured out, boy, Paul Manafort's kind of a financial crook. <laughs> he kind of stole money. For, he kind of evaded taxes and, and used all these yeah. 
funny ways to take money from offshore oligarchs. And, you know, if you look at this, uh, you know, you had this guy, Jerome Corsi, who was implicated, too, and was offered a plea deal. He says, I'm not taking a plea deal. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so instead that's, that's of— That's typical in prosecutions. Instead yeah. of being in prison today, you know, he's not, you know, because they didn't—they were bluffing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's a, such a sleazy ta- tactic. You know, I, I, I would— Love to see the president pardon Michael Flynn, for example, because I think he was set up in the same way. And not a criminal doesn't belong in jail. Uh, and that's what happens in the, you know, I this technique of, well, either plead guilty or we're going to charge your son, or your, which is what they did to Flynn, right. or your wife or your brother. You might be willing to take a chance on your own, uh, you know, freedom and your own, uh, a persecution if you feel you're innocent, yeah. but will you take that chance on people you love's freedom? But that, that's why that's why people want to see this report. They want to know what, what was the motivation for Michael Flynn mm-hmm. to lie to the vice president about his contacts mm-hmm. with Russians, to lie to the FBI while sitting in the White House as National Security Advisor. Uh, why did he lie? I mean, um, and that's a, that is the something question. there that just unanswered. Um, and and why do all these people lie? Um, why did the president, uh, you know, uh, construct a, a misleading statement on Air Force One uh, to to about about his son's role in a meeting with a Russian uh, who had dirt on uh, Hillary Clinton in Trump Tower? I mean, there's just a lot of things here that. It just raised a lot of eyebrows, and 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 you know, okay, they didn't find any direct collusion, but what was the motivation for all this? But the report deals with that meeting and says, you know, they couldn't find anything out of that meeting that rose to uh, collusion. The same, you know, and over and over, that's the that's the conclusion of this report well, according you, to this summary. But you're right. I mean, a lot of people got themselves unnecessarily. In right. trouble by not telling the truth. And some of this is just amateur yeah. Uh, yeah. hour that happened at the Trump <laughs> well, campaign. Well, and that's been we'll, the day since day one. <laughs> and we'll continue this conversation with Congresswoman Debbie Dinkle on the other side of this break. But first, let's get to weather and traffic. 721 the time right now. 33 degrees is the current temperature. Just a temp above the freezing mark this morning. You're factoring the wind chills, and it feels like it's cold. It's 22 degrees. Temps were warm to about 40 for the afternoon high. And getting to the roads right now, we are watching several slowdowns on significant delays if you're headed towards Metro Airport this morning along I-84 westbound past Merriman. We're also watching some on delays if you're headed towards uh, the westbound directions, I-696 westbound past Evergreen. There's some uh, slow moving traffic in that direction. We're also watching um, a backup on bumper-to-bumper commute along the southbound lanes of M10 Lodge Freeway into the downtown Detroit area just past I-84. We're watching a very uh, significant delay in that direction as well. This weather traffic report brought to you by Weather Vision and the Total Traffic Network. I'm Andre Ash, live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center. You are listening to the Nolan Finley Show on this Monday morning. We're back in a moment. Hi, I'm Joan London with A Place for Mom. Over the years, we've helped thousands of families find senior care, and today's senior living communities have never been better. With amazing amenities like movie theaters, exercise rooms, and swimming pools, public cafes, bars and bistros, even pet care services. And nobody understands your options like the advisors at A Place for Mom. These are local expert advisors that will partner with you to find the perfect place and determine the right level of care, whether that's just a helping hand or full-time memory care. Best of all, it's a free service. 
Call today, a place for mom. You know your family, we know senior living. Together, we'll make the right choice. Call A Place for Mom right now to get our free ebook on financing senior care as well as a free referral for senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-436-2907. That's 1-800-436-2907. 40 million. That's the number of free phones still available and the number of how many Americans can still get prescriptions free. Free could be wonderful. That's why I'm still working at 77 years old to pay off my prescriptions. I needed to have a, a prescription filled and I had to leave because I couldn't afford it. Call now and see what's available for you. Free prescriptions. Over 10 million people get prescriptions free and the program has expanded so another 40 million can. Free dental. Over 15,000 dentists have provided over three hundred and thirty million dollars in free dental work free cell phones 40 million free cell phones are still available with free minutes and more free cell phone would change my life right now because it's something I cannot afford to get medical supplies like back braces knee braces and diabetic supplies may be covered too. the free RX plus hotline has saved callers over 12 million dollars on their prescription costs these free programs are now available to 40 million more people call now Welcome back to the Nolan Finley Show on the 910 AM Superstation. I'm Nolan Finley. Chad Livingood of Crane Detroit Business is sitting in for the vacationing Kelly Cobb today. And we have Debbie Dingle, Congresswoman Debbie Dingle, Detroit, or D, Democrat from Dearborn, uh, who is the official Congresswoman of 910 AM Superstation. We won't tell Brenda Lawrence that since our station is in her district, Debbie, but we're claiming you. Good morning, Nolan. Good morning, Chad. How is everybody? We're good. good morning. So give us your take on the Mueller report. Were you, you among those who were mourning, Debbie Dingle, that the president didn't get indicted? I'm not in mourning. What I think is that we need to make this report public. I... I was hoping, I know it was a false hope, that we would get this report, people would see it, we would, you know, get the facts and we would move on. What we're seeing is a further divided country. Nobody, it, it uh, is not, all of the language is um, ambiguous to some extent. It did not, you know, everybody's trying to just take each word and and try to figure out what it means. So while the special counsel states that while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it does not exonerate him. So if you're a Republican, you're saying he didn't commit a crime. If you're a Democrat, you're saying it didn't exonerate him. I think we need to make this report public. I think everybody needs to be able to read the same report. And what I'm really worried about is Look, the president's got to be held accountable. We have to make sure Russia's not interfering in our election. A lot of people have already gone to jail, just as an aside, which we tend to kind of... But on, on that question, Debbie, there was no ambiguity in the report. The Robert Mueller, who spent all this time, all this money, uh, 2,800 interviews, 500 subpoenas, on and on and on, found no evidence of collusion. What would it take to satisfy you that there's no evidence of collusion? Uh, well, the 
special counsel pointedly noted that he could not exonerate. That was on obstruction, not on on the Russian collusion. And so you, 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 what you said was, we need to know there was no Russian collusion, and it would seem that Robert Mueller has answered that question. I, I don't know, Nolan, because I haven't seen the report. And, you know, as you just said... Yeah, but you, did, you didn't expect to see the report the first day. I mean, that there's a process here. We don't know that we're not going to see the report. In fact, Barr, I would, I would think Barr will uh, make whatever he can public, but you know that the law... The law will not allow him to do to to release the the uh, transcripts of the uh, uh, grand jury. Grand jury. I'm sorry, okay. the word slipped me. Actually, and so, if he can't, is is that then going to still be? Oh gosh, we didn't see that. I mean, will there ever be a point at which Democrats are satisfied? Okay, will there ever be a point that Republicans are satisfied? That's what I think is wrong with the country right now. But let's be honest here. The Attorney General got the report this weekend. He reviewed he reviewed the work that had been conducted over almost two years, 22, 23 months, by 19 lawyers who were assisted by a team of 40 FBI agents, intelligence agents, forensic accountants, and other professional staff. They issued more than 2,800 subpoenas. They executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, records, issued almost 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers, made 13 requests to foreign governors for evidence, and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. And found no conclusion. And the Attorney General concluded in less than 24 hours that the evidence developed during the special counsel's investigations not sufficient to establish that the president did something. Now, On obstruction of justice, Debbie. You're being disingenuous, and you're, you know, this is the Democratic talking points on collusion. They were very, Mueller was very clear. They found no evidence. The, the, where they left the door open was on the obstruction charge. This investigation was about, in the beginning, was about collusion, and they found no collusion. There's no ambiguity about that. You think there's ambiguity. I don't know what's in the report, and neither do you. And I don't want to pick up a talking point and say this is what a found You just read a page of them. But, I, but what I just read were talking points, as you well know, of someone saying this is what happened. You don't have them, and I don't have them. That's why it's so important to make this report transparent, open to the public. Let's see all the facts. Let's see what they found. Well, nobody's suggesting it won't be. But you, it would be a little. It's a little disingenuous to think that that Ken Barr or, or uh, William Barr William Barr is going to get this report on Friday on Sat and before he even analyzes it on Saturday, send it out to uh, to the public or to Congress. I mean, they've got to look and make sure make sure that this is. But no one can. Well, he couldn't have. It would have been if he'd have got it Friday and said nothing about it for the month it's going to take to go through this thing and see what you can release and what you can't legally, you know what would have happened. No, I don't, because Mueller did exactly that. And, and he never leaked a thing. And I think that that's He didn't, AG, but his staff was as leaky as a sieve. And Congress is leaky. He couldn't have given this to Congress. It would have been out on the street the next day, Thank all sorts God. of stuff. Very clear. Nancy Pelosi was very clear. Schumer was very clear. They would not have a classified briefing on this. 
so that when it gets made public, it needs to be made public to mm-hmm. everybody. And it will be and in time. See you, Nolan, that you're saying everything's, you know, so innocent, but his investigation. Didn't say that. Well, a lot of criminal charges to people. I don't know how many indictments. None, none for colluding with the Russians. I mean, what? that's just none for colluding with the Russians. Nobody was indicted clear. I am told, for colluding I am with the told Russians. It's clear that Russia interfered in our elections from this report. I'm told it's very clear. Oh, and, it's very and clear. I don't think okay. I very, don't think that's different than the president colluding. And we know or, through the Facebook advertising and, and the stuff they bought that Russia did try to interfere with our election. Uh, I actually that, don't but, know what yelling at each other like this this morning. Well, I don't yeah. think we're yelling. I think we're having a nice conversation. But I think it's very. If clear. you think we're yelling, I apologize. <laughs> I think it's very actually clear. much calmer in that I don't know the facts. And I don't know what the facts are. And the American people don't know the facts. And what's bothering me more than anything is that everybody's going to their corners and taking what they want to say instead of saying, let's still get the I'm facts. I'm sorry, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, this is dis- disingenuous because if if William Barr had, no, had put out a summary to Congress that stated otherwise that there was collusion, then Democrats would be all over uh, his summary saying this is the Bible, this is the truth. We knew that the, the Trump campaign had, had colluded with Russia. So what we do know is that no Americans, and this actually should be good news for both sides, that no Americans, although Russia tried to uh, interfere in our election, that no American participated uh, into working with them, into coordinating, into colluding anything in the 2016 election. And that, on one hand, for both sides, Democrat and Republicans, should be good news. Not just a Trump Dad, victory, but American. No American done that? Oh, is that Andre? Andre, how do you know that no American colluded? We've got people in jail. We've got people about to Not, not for collusion, Debbie. And this report clearly said they found nobody to indict. And no further collusion. indictments on that issue of yeah. collusion. I mean, it, well, I the collusion that. thing I'm is glad that, that you guys have. I've well, that was, in, that was what Barr said. That was in the summary. I mean, there are going to be no collusion indictments. Congresswoman, this is Chad Livingood. Uh, uh, 19 months from now, uh, the American people are going to go to the polls uh, in a presidential election. Uh, could be the most consequential in our in our lifetime. Uh, we always say that. Is. We say that every four <laughs> years. So, um, but um, what precautions? What measures have been taken to date? in your mind, uh, to prevent Russia from meddling in the next election. Or China it seems or to be else. kind of lost in this discussion uh, about uh, Bob Mueller's uh, investigation. Uh, I agree with you, Chad, and it's one of the things that I'm the most worried about. We do know that um, the Justice Department and others have been working with Secretary of State across the uh, country to make sure that their election systems and the electoral processes are uh, strong, that they're setting up cybersecurity defenses, but the same way that we had Russia interference on social media continues to be a problem. We know that they're continuing to put bots out there. Uh, Many of the social media uh, companies are working to try to identify and to do something about it, but we do need to worry about it again. I mean, it's a very real threat. I agree with that. And, you know, so, and I think that we do need to worry about it. And I will say that from what I've been told, and I'm just hearing gossip in Washington, and I'm refusing to, I'm 
my only talking, my only point is let's make this public so we all see the same document and we know what we're talking well, about. And that's what every but, Democrat's saying and a lot of Republicans. I think yeah, it will be made. That's what we need to do. But the, I think but it'll be made public. But you know it's not going to be made public today. It will take but, time to look through this thing and see what you can legally release and what you can't. I mean, nobody wants this to be handled recklessly. So now I'm going to say this. For two years, the president kept saying that any interference, there was no interference by the Russian government. The special counsel's report and what the attorney general said clearly contradicts. They do establish that Russia tried to interfere. We don't know who helped them. We don't know how they did it. I think this report's got a lot of that information in it. I think it should be made public. And then we'll really know what we're talking about. All we're all doing right now, and all anybody's doing across mm. the country, is yelling at people about two or three sentences in bars line. It would be really good to have the facts. You can join our conversation, 778-7600-313-778-7600. So, Debbie, going out from this, it looks like... Uh, this is not going to slow uh, down the congressional investigations at all, uh, you know, that they will go forward. And this is going to preoccupy Congress for the next, at least the next two years, if not longer. Uh, you know, do you think, Debbie, that there's a, after this, this report comes out uh, with its conclusion that there was no collusion on the part of the Trump admission campaign with the Russians, you think the, that this is there's a risk for Democrats that this backfires, that people say, God, you know, this seems a little like a, indeed, like a political witch hunt and like uh, you know, vindictive politics. Is we, we know that there's not popular support for impeachment. Do you think there's a risk for Democrats in uh, overreaching here? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that we all, every person in government is accountable to the American people, and we need transparency. Mm -hmm. I said this, and I have repeatedly said it. Donald Trump could be reelected president, uh, depending upon what the Democratic field is. <laughs> we don't. That's always we, true, right? I mean, that's when people judge a candidate, uh, they judge the, they tend to judge a candidate based on his own flaws or, or his or her own flaws or assets when they ought to be looking at who she, he or she are going to be running against because but that matters as much as anything as we learned we in 2016. There are a lot of issues people are worried about. They're worried about the growing prescription drug costs and how much that's costing. They're still worried about trade policies that are mm -hmm. all over the place, but our trade policies are still costing them jobs. We have people that are worried about their pensions. We have people that want to fix the damn roads. And that's both the federal and the state level. And uh, right now, while we do need to hold the president accountable, the people in his government, we need to be held accountable. We need to be transparent in all of our behaviors and actions. We are sent to Washington to work for the American people. So and do you we think we'll get to any of those issues? I mean, it seems like we are wholly preoccupied with the political fight. And, well, and you know, this, did it ever occur to you that the media is solely focused on that? Oh, definitely. Chad Livengood sitting right here next to me, and, and I blame him. 
You what him? I had nothing to do with this uh, investigation. <laughs> I did. I didn't. Met, of I didn't course, I blame the media. The media has behaved rather shamefully during the last two years. He's like me about these working people, these <laughs> issues that really matter to the people in my district. And we're going to we're going to be talking about some of them um, the rest of the show. But my question to you is: Will Congress get to any of these? Well, we're going to mark up net neutrality tomorrow. Okay. Debbie Dingle? There was a time six months ago when that was the number one issue people were calling my offices about. Uh, we're have a- Debbie, we're going to take a call from Bob here. Uh, Bob, uh, what's on your mind? Mm-hmm. Bob, you're up. Hey, good morning. Just something quick. I mean, we did all this double talk. I'm glad uh, uh, the congresswoman touched on some of the opioids that are far more important than whatever hunt we're going on here and uh, do the work of the people. Quit giving us this double talk. What has uh, Detroit, uh, our representative from Detroit brought into Detroit for us lately? And we can't even get our people to work every day with any type of transportation. And she's double-talking about things going on. Well, I don't know so. that she's double-talking. I mean, I think she does. Uh, I mean, Debbie, you you made the point. There are a lot uh, of other issues that are important to us. Transportation being one of now, us. More than, I mean, I do think we've got to hold the president accountable. My sister died of that opioid drug talk that you're talking mm-hmm. about. I'm every single day trying to make sure. I mean, what we got to do to get those drugs off the street that we got to have uh, the resources that we need. We need the mental health assistance. We got to do something about the supply of drugs onto the street. That is actually what my priority is in sitting here having this ridiculous conversation with Nolan over a report we haven't seen. So I'm actually with you, Bob. <laughs> Bob, the congresswoman is with you. Not with me this morning. Uh, Debbie, thanks for uh, coming on. I appreciate you as always. Next week when you come on, uh, I want to talk about the the Teamster pension issue. Uh, oh, been hearing been hearing a lot of horror stories, not just oh, from but from businesses who are getting caught up in Correct. this, and and that's an element of, of it I hadn't heard about before. So next week, if you can uh, fill us in on that, I'd appreciate. And it. Maybe next week there'll be a full report on Bob. There won't Bob be Mueller. a full report for months. <laughs> uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. 7.40 the time right now. Live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center, let's get to the current forecast. 33 degrees is the temperature where we stand right now under clear skies. But you factor in those winds, it feels much cooler out there. 22, uh, the wind chill temp out there now. Uh, We're expected to see temps move towards 40 degrees for the daytime. High under sunny skies. Let's get a check here on the roadways. 96 westbound just past uh, just past Southfield. We're watching uh, some slowdowns there. We're also watching a dis- significant delay. We're traveling the southbound lanes of M10, the Lodge Freeway, into the downtown Detroit area. We're watching some slowdowns there just past I-84. I'm Audrey Ash, live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center. You're listening to the Nolan Finley Show here on the Superstation, which continues right now. Welcome back to the show, uh, Nolan Finley, joined this morning by Andre Ash and my guest host, Chad Livingood. And Chad, our next guest is talking about, go on to talk about an issue that you've been very much following, and that is the land acquisition, the city's land acquisition for um, 
the the land for the new FCA plant. Uh, why don't you set it up, Chad, on what you know about where we stand now with uh, uh, the FCA land acquisition, and we'll bring our guest in, Jerry Pesic, an attorney who has specializes in eminent domain and these land acquisition issues. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Chad, what's going? What's the latest you hear? Well, ba- ba- just a little bit of background. So back on the 26th of February, uh, mm-hmm. Mayor Mike Duggan, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and some officials from FCA, the UAW, announced that um, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles is going to convert the two Mack engine plants, the so Mack engine one and two, into an assembly plant. Um, and, and by doing so, they needed more a bigger footprint because they're going to have uh, somewhere around 2,000-plus people working there, and they're going to need, they need par- parking for the employees. They need more yeah. staging area for, for trucks and also for finished vehicles because they're going to be rolling off some new, some new Jeep products uh, there as well. So they are in the midst of trying to assemble 200 acres. Um, uh, the city of Detroit owns about 40 of it. I think I think, uh, I think, I think DT is about 40 as well. Yeah. Part of that is is their old Connor Creek plant, right, right. which DTE was in the midst of trying to figure out how to basically tear down and such. So it's and that's on the other side of Jefferson. Well, that's that's a really gift to them, right? Uh, yeah. So they they needed to get rid of that, and they're going to swap some land. They've got some tentative deals in principle to swap land with the city of Detroit it, it, to other parts of the city where DTE needs to build new substations and such. So they needed the land anyways. Yeah. Um, the the what I consider the linchpin of the whole deal is there's an 80 acre uh, plot owned by the Maroon family. At Connor and Mac, where the old Bud plant used to stand yes. for a hundred years until they until they imploded half of it back in June of 2017, that's kind of the basis of my column this week in Cranes. That's looking at um, how M- M- Maddie Maroon, uh, that who's now 91 years old and not really involved in the company, his son Matthew runs it day to day. But uh, Maddie bought this 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 Bud plant. In April of 2007, when nobody was buying uh, shut down, uh, shuttered uh, auto plants <laughs> in Detroit. Saw, right? Yeah, and so he bought this thing, um, but he went through all the expense of of, of taking out all the uh, you know the, the machinery out of it, and then and then uh, and then they tore it down and they redeveloped it for Fiat Chrysler just two years ago, turned it into a parking lot uh, for uh, the uh, uh, storage of new vehicles from from Jefferson North because right adjacent to Jefferson North and then also for shipping and logistics because there's a rail line there Mm -hmm. and such. And now as part of this whole uh, investment that FCA wants to make, totaling $2.5 billion, $1.6 billion for the new plant at Mac, $900 million for uh, for modernizing Jefferson North, Mm -hmm. FCA was part of one of its um, taxpayer incentives. They want the city of Detroit to buy this 80-acre plot from the Maroons and then hand it over to them. Yeah. Um, and so th- we're in the midst of a 60-day period here where the city of Detroit has to come up with these 200 acres uh, that, that uh, FCA has, uh, has requested. All signs kind of point to it. They're already t- they've already bulldozed the berm on St. Jean because yeah, so they're going to take yeah. that part of St. Jean uh, between Mac and Connor and take it out of service and, and uh-huh. make it part of the parking lot for the new plant. And so Jerry Pesic, who is – uh, this is not an imminent domain case because uh, it, the law, that law doesn't apply 
here, and it's very hard now in Michigan to exercise eminent domain, uh, what are the challenges you see in getting this land put together? What did you say, 60-day timetable? 60-day by, by 60 April 26. So less than 60 days yeah. now. Uh, Jerry, what, what are they up against? Well, I, I think the biggest challenge is that they don't have eminent domain available to them anymore. Mm-hmm. As you know, when Polcom was built, that was that was that land was assembled through eminent domain. Uh, the law has dramatically changed over the last uh, ten years, and that's not available to them. So the problem is, I, I think more than anything else, timing. Um, we're thirty days into the sixty-day period. Um, we don't know, obviously, exactly where they're at with the, with the Maroon negotiations, and that is that is a very, very critical piece to all of this. Uh, in addition to that, it's my understanding that we have maybe 30 acres um, that are owned by various small property owners, homeowners, or, or whomever. And um, sometimes those smaller parcels can be extremely challenging. Um, it may be that many of those people... Uh, welcome the opportunity to have their homes purchased and, and relocated. And maybe that, uh, as in most of these projects that we've seen, there are some some holdouts. Um, the best analogy I think we can look at today is the land assembly for the the, the uh, Little Caesars Arena. Uh, that didn't take place in 60 days. As you know, that took yeah. place uh, over a very lengthy period of time. And even at the very end, there were some holdouts who um, – who, who the village organization was not able to acquire their parcels. And you, know, you have a few parcels out in that development that, that don't exactly fit in. So I think the real challenge is the timing. Um, obviously, Maroon is, is a key issue here. Um, and whether or not they can be successful making a deal with them uh, is, is yet to be known. So. Are you aware of any uh, property that um, – are you specifically aware of actual property that's owned by homeowners? Because Mayor Duggan said that at the outset of this, Jerry, that there wouldn't be any homeowners affected. I thought that what Mayor Duggan was saying is there wouldn't be any homeowners that would be displaced in the sense that the arrangements would be made um, to relocate. There's some residential property area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that that's my understanding. And – um, you know, even going back to Poltown, you had residents who held out. Uh, didn't, you know, there, there were some pretty ugly scenes in terms of people uh, being virtually taken out of their homes. Um, so you don't have that available to you here. And if you have holdouts, whether they be residents, whether they be um, businesses, or, or of course the Maroons, um, you, you can't force their hand. You have to negotiate. Uh, and obviously that, that gives a lot of leverage to the property owners in terms of those negotiations. Now, Chad, why the quick deadline? Uh, well, it's purely because FCA wants to have this new three-row Jeep out on, um, on the market by December of 2020, next year. Okay. So they, 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 they're trying to rush 2021 model into, into production um, there was, uh, you know, this was kind of an ongoing negotiation. So FCA was at the same time doing some, you know, reconsideration of other other plants. Uh, they have they have to take that engine plant and move its operations to Dundee to an existing uh, engine plant that builds engines for for Jeeps and expand that facility as well. Once they take, you know, the current engine plant out of out of production. So what's the if that we don't hit 60 days, if the mayor doesn't get the land assembled in 60 days, what happens? Is Chrysler going to go someplace else? And where would that someplace else be? 
they, they you know they have not really answered that question, uh, but they, it was implied that way, um, mm-hmm. and and it was also you know kind of implied in the announcement that you know they could have very well gone to any greenfield site mm-hmm. um you know out in you know some far-flung place way out outside the, farmers fields basically place. yeah just take a fee, take take uh find uh you know 340 350 acres of somewhere else and just build a build a auto plant that was obviously what got, got you know happened when ford built a plant in romeo mm-hmm. or gm built the lake orion plant mm-hmm. uh in brownstown township i mean you know that, that was the, that was the trend of the post world war ii was to build plants outside the city of Detroit because you could not find, you could not assemble that kind of land. That's why they had to resort, uh, Mayor. that's why Mayor Coleman Young had to resort to eminent domain uh, to, to, to make the Town plant happen. Um, and, and then they had to do, they had to do similar things. Jerry might remember the history of this for, for Jefferson North. They had to, they had to assemble quite a land, a lot of, a lot of land there too, right? They went through the same process there. It wasn't quite as uh, it wasn't quite as extensive as it was for Pole Town, but yes, they had to go through the same uh, process there about uh, ten years after Pole Town. Jerry, this is Andre. So, but this is an interesting uh, arrangement between the city and Chrysler here, because you know, what's your thoughts about Chrysler? Um, you know, having the city of Detroit do its bidding for them as far as assembling this land. Um, Chrysler is the one who has the money. Can they have? You know, try to persuade these different businesses to, you know, to get this land acquisition themselves. Yes, well, it, I mean, it is an interesting situation. I mean, you have a, you know, from my perspective, it, that becomes more of a public policy than a legal issue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether or not the city should be engaged in the business of, of assembling tracts of land like this. Mm-hmm. I understand why they would want to. Obviously. Um, you know, there's few, there's few people that I know that wouldn't want that Chrysler plant in the city and those jobs that come with it. Um, but you do have a public policy issue that, you know, some, some people, uh, don't necessarily agree with. Um, I understand why Mayor Duggan wants to do this and, uh, uh, obviously they're doing everything they can to make it happen. Can they do it in 60 days, Jerry? I, I don't, you know, it, it seems unrealistic unless this thing was in the planning stage long before the announcement. Um, and again, the critical part of it is where are they at in the negotiations with the Maroons? I mean, they could be on the brink of a deal. They may be, you know, millions and millions of dollars apart and negotiations are ongoing. So it's nothing's impossible, um, but I think it's a substantial obstacle. And I think then, you know, it also gets back to this discussion about whether or not Chrysler is serious about pulling out if it doesn't happen in 60 days. I mean, they've gotten some very good publicity associated with this announcement. Um, I wonder if, you know, if it's just a matter of a few weeks or whatever to get it done, if they would actually pull out. Uh, Obviously, we don't know the answer to that at this point. My sense of talking to people that kind of involved with this is that – they they were to go well. First, though, they're negotiating with the Maroons for months now. This has been in the works going back into the last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they made it kind of clear that they had a meeting um, uh, back in January of seventeen. With uh, Mayor Duggan had a meeting with Sergio Marchione, the former mm-hmm. CEO of, of Fiat Chrysler, before he passed away. There was a lull, kind of a, a vacuum filling moment uh, after Marchione died, right. and then and then essentially sort of uh, sort of um, sped up last summer. Um, and people that were involved in this uh, at the state level said that basically uh, FCA first it was one plant. 
And then they started talking about we're going to need to modernize Jefferson North. Then they, then they said they're going to need to to uh, to move uh, some production to uh, the Warren Truck Plant, uh, make some make some modifications to the Sterling Stamping Plant, move the engines down to Dundee. So so it kind of went from one plant to like five plants uh, mm-hmm. involving 4.5 billion dollars of investment. Um, and I'm told that we will we that the, the Michigan Strategic Fund. We'll, we'll probably vote on this uh, on on the tax incentives, which we don't know even what it is yet. That's being rem- kept uh, kept quiet at this point. But they will vote before the tw- the sixty day deadline. That kind of is a, is a suggestion that uh, they're not going to ma- line up this vote and do all this. And Mayor Duggan isn't going to you know bulldoze a berm on on St. Jane Street if he doesn't already have uh, much of this already wrapped up. Well, do we get? Um I mean, do we know whether this is also uh, conditional on getting a community benefits agreement? That's another aspect. Because that's not an easy process. They got to go to city council and and get the community benefits. Uh, they got to get a community benefits agreement that that the local community agrees to. Because there's these councils that get formed, just like we did in, at Corktown right. with Ford Motor Company, um, in, in this in this under this ordinance. And so that process has already started. They've already had mm-hmm. one or or more meetings to date, and then. And then the next step is to get the uh, the local uh, council to to approve it, send to city council, um, and then obviously the mayor's got to get got to get the votes on city council to approve it as well. And and again, we also don't know uh, what exactly um, the city of Detroit's going to spend on on two hundred acres. Yeah, now, four, 40 of it is the city of Detroit, so it's free. It's St. Jean Street itself yeah. and that berm area. And and so they're just handing that so over. But they're trying to do some land but swaps. At least a, yeah, yeah, they're going to do some land swaps because the city of Detroit has obviously a ton Lots of, land, of land, land laying around. Mm-hmm. And that may be part of what they're trying to get with the Maroons. Uh, Maroons have, Matty Maroon and, and his son Matthew have um, some, the last count, I knew some 300 different parcels all scattered yeah. across the city. Some of it might adjoin um, city-owned, land-bank-owned yeah. land that they need to help uh, you know, build bigger parcels for their own uh, purposes. And so there could, be some, there could be some valuable land swaps involved. And Jerry Pesek, before we go, do we need to revisit eminent domain uh, and bring that back in some fashion for circumstances such as this? Well, I think as a practical matter, no, and that would be extremely difficult because when the law changed, um, not only uh, did the Michigan Supreme Court rule that eminent domain for these purposes are unconstitutional, Mm, um, but the legislature also adopted legislation effectively memorializing uh, the language uh, of the Hathcock case, which is where that was done. And then in addition, uh, there was a voter referendum memorializing most of these uh, issues into the Constitution, which precludes eminent domain for these purposes. Um, So as a practical matter, uh, it would seem highly unlikely that all that could be redone. Attorney Jerry Pesek, thanks for uh, being with us this morning. Andre, we got to get to a break. Yes, we do. Seven fifty-seven. The time right now. We got more it's a good time to go to the bathroom. Well, well, uh, more news and weather and traffic coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. We're back in a moment.
This report is sponsored by MGM Grand Detroit. MGM Grand Detroit's Eight Cars, Eight Days giveaway is back, and you can win a brand new Audi A4. Earn entries March 1st through 29th, playing your favorite slots or table games with your M Life Rewards card. Details at the M Life Rewards desk. Must be 21 or older. Grand times ahead. The day you lose your strength is the day you lose your independence. Muscle is lost with age, affecting your energy, balance, and mobility. Before you know it, you're depending on others just to get through the day. But you can't reverse and prevent muscle loss. Introducing MyoHealth, a revolutionary proven approach to increased muscle strength and function in as little as 30 days. Live life on your terms with more energy and confidence. After a serious health issue put me down, MyoHealth's getting me back up again. I'm doing activities that I haven't done for a long time. It really works. MyoHealth is a safe, natural dietary supplement, the result of decades of research and 24 human clinical studies. You can live stronger at any age with greater strength, mobility, balance, and energy. Call or go online now and take the MyoHealth 30-Day Strength Challenge. So, you've decided to go to college. That's cool. So, pop quiz, which is a better way to earn your degree? Commute to college and fill your gas tank, get stuck in traffic, drive in bad weather, try to find a parking space, walk a half mile to class, or learn online at Independence University. In the park on a bench, on the beach on a towel, or on your couch with your kid, your campus is wherever you want it to be. You don't go to college. College goes to you. That's Independence. That's Independence University. You schedule classes around your schedule and all your supplies, including a brand new laptop and tablet are included with tuition. At Independence U, you'll learn from professional instructors with real work experience. You'll get personal support in school and employment assistance when you graduate. Get your degree, but keep your life. That's Independence. That's Independence University. So if you're really smart, you'd call now. Call 1-800-556-7791. Independence U for an independent you. Call 1-800-556-7791. Look no further than 910 AM Superstation. Three, two, one. 9:10 a.m. Superstation. We're the hottest station in town. Whatever you need, it's right here on 9:10 a.m. Superstation. The most powerful voices in the urban community. Three, two, one. You're listening to 9:10 a.m. Superstation. You're listening to 910 AM Superstation. The best in the city. WFDF Farmington Hills, Detroit. 910 AM Superstation, a division of Adele Media. Eight o'clock the time right now. I'm Andre Ash with a look at the latest news headlines at the top of the hour. The Mueller report is in. It's what we've been talking about this morning. And President Donald Trump starts a brand new phase in his presidency as the special counsel Robert Mueller didn't find that Trump's 2016 campaign or his associates conspired with Russia. Attorney General William Barr announced in a four-page letter to Congress, Mueller's report essentially punted on the question of whether Trump committed obstruction of justice. Mueller's investigation did not conclude that the president obstructed justice, but it also didn't exonerate him. Barr and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein made the decision the evidence was not sufficient to support prosecuting Trump. 
And to other news, over the weekend, a village in Mali was hit with a horrible attack over the weekend. At least 134 people, including women and children, were killed when armed men dressed as hunters stormed the village. Many members of the country's ethnic community live in the area. They are often targeted and accused of having ties to jihadist organizations. Members of the group have been accused of past attacks against the government. Let's get a check here of the forecast here at home. Under clear skies, 33 degrees is the current temperature. We're just the temperature above the freezing mark. You factor in the winds and it feels like it's cold. It's 22 degrees outside. That's the wind chill temperature. Temps will warm to near 40 degrees for the afternoon. High temperatures falling back into the 30s for nighttime lows. Let's get a check here of the roadways right now. Uh, during this rush hour drive, we are watching some significant slowdowns. If you're traveling the southbound lanes of M10, the Lodge Freeway into the downtown area, traffic is slow past I-94. We're also watching the slowdown. If you're traveling I-94 westbound past I-75, traffic is building towards M10, the Lodge, and backed up towards M53, Van Dyke. Let's look at the latest news, weather and traffic at the top of the hour. I'm Andre Ash. You are listening to 910 AM, the voice of Detroit. The second hour of the Nolan Finley show starts right now. When I Welcome back to the Nolan Finley Show on the 910 AM Superstation. I'm Nolan Finley from the Detroit News, joined this morning by my guest co-host, Chad Livingood yeah. of Crane's Detroit Good morning, Business. Chad. Happy Chad, to be here, good to have you. We always talk to you on the phone. It's good to see you in person. You're looking very chipper this morning. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Andre Ash is our producer. Good morning. Martin Patton's on the keyboards. Good and morning. And we're joined now by Stephanie Sawicki of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Detroit, of Michigan. Uh, and you all are, you, you, you're in the midst of a big fundraiser you're preparing, but you're uh, uh, working this year uh, in cooperation with some of our new marijuana retailers in the city. And it's sort of a, now that marijuana has been approved by voters, legalized by voters, it's sort of a new day. It is. It is. So we're excited to have um, the Reef joining us as a sponsor this year for mm-hmm. our event for a man, woman of the year. That Reef's one of the bigger marijuana retailers, one of the bigger mer- medical marijuana retailers, and uh, fixing to move into the recreational marijuana uh, re- retail business. Chad, if we could ever get the licensing figured out, which I have little hope for. That's going to take a while. Obviously, the state is in kind of a period of a, of a redo. Um, <laughs> and the governor just recently scrapped a marijuana regulatory board and, and tried to replace it with a larger bureaucracy mm-hmm. that uh, they're trying to build up right now. So um, they're trying to prepare for a, a billion-dollar industry to some come landing in our state um, mm-hmm. and one that uh, is also happens to be – Still defined as illegal uh, by the federal government, yes. uh, and yes. and so there's a whole host of issues that come along with that. Uh, Stephanie, I'm kind of curious about um, uh, what's the current state of of, of cancer patients who use uh, cannabis, uh, and how are they using it? Uh, I mean, I, I hear different things from people I know. 
that are using CD, uh, CDB oil. Um, uh, but um, Nolan raises his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a big believer in it. What, what, well, what, well, no, maybe you can answer it. Well, you're not. Uh, but can Let's you tell us a little bit about how Stephanie. what is Stephanie? What is exactly the uh, you know what is the medical benefits of, of CDB oil? Um, you know, there's lots of for every patient, it's different. So it really depends on who. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't personally have statistics on who's using it and for what, um, just because that's not something that necessarily the Leukemia Lymphoma Society gets into managing. Mm -hmm. um, but it is something that it does help everybody that, you know, they've tried it. And like you said, I know a lot of people that have found benefit in using it um, for their own well-being. Is there access issues right now? Currently, is there a supply issue at all? You know, I'm not 100% sure on that, again, just because I don't I don't get too much into the logistics of that. But, but the reef here, they they are um, helping the the work that you do. They're donating $15,000. And, and talk to me about what that will do to help um, the work that you guys do. Yeah, so the reef has come on this year for a sponsor for our Man Woman of the Year event. So they are trying mm -hmm. to get involved in the community um, a little bit more by giving back and supporting and, and getting their name out there as well. Um, so currently we have about um, five, almost 6,000 people in Michigan that live with some type of leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma. Hmm. So there's definitely a lot of families locally um, that will benefit from this, um, the reef being involved with us and partnering with us. Um, they help support other things that we do in our community. So by their sponsorship with that $15,000, we have copay assistance, which help a lot of our families um, just cover their copays. I mean, we all know how insurance works, and that can be really challenging to come up with all of that money. So, I mean, last year alone, the Leukemia Lymphoma was able to give just Michigan families almost $2.2 million to help with their copays to go to the doctors and get all of their treatments. What um, sort of progress are we making in treatment? These are serious diseases, <laughs> oftentimes fatal, correct? Mm -hmm. and, uh, what what sort of progress are we making in combating these diseases, treating it, curing it? Right. Well, since the early 90s, with all of the funding and research that we've gotten, we've actually seen a 20% decrease in the loss of blood cancer mm. patients. Mm -hmm. um, just in the last two years, there has been 39 FDA approvals to help with different types of blood cancers and Leukemia Lymphoma Society um, actually funded 34 of them. Hmm. So, you know, we really try to make sure we're in the right place and helping. So progress being made. Mm -hmm. What's the prevalency among children? I don't have exact numbers. I mean, obviously it, it varies and it's a lot more in children we see it than adults, right. but it doesn't it just varies on where you're at and you know every state to state is different all over the country is different so um, we work with a lot of children here locally um, i think parents are definitely more engaged and want to be out there and being more involved so we can see it more where sometimes adults that you know they kind of process it on their own and keep to themselves where we see a lot more involvement from families looking for assistance and help um, from us to get more resources mm. And, you know, I, I think as we normalize, particularly, you know, as we normalize marijuana in our society, it becomes less stigmatized. I mean, involvement of, of the reef and your fundraiser is one example of sort of moving the industry out of the black market, out of the Seattle's and into accepted mainstream uh, 
society, but there's also a lot of research going on mm. in terms of better, uh, marijuana derivatives and how it could help uh, relieving it, the symptoms of chronic disease and cutting down the need for um, maybe more serious drugs like opioids and what have you. We're going to talk about opioids coming up in the show. Uh, but, you know, this whole idea that you remove the stigma, uh, you mentioned CBD oil. I will tell you, uh, a year ago, I could barely walk through an airport if I were carrying my bag because of my my knee. I got a knee that needs uh, some work. I started taking CBD oil orally and rubbing CBD oil, CBD product on my knee. And it's been, you know, a life changer. I mean, I still have some pain, but nowhere near as debilitating as it was a year ago. And I'm not doing an unsolicited, uh, <laughs> I guess I am, uh, but I'm sort of a CBD evangelist. I, I love this stuff. I, I asked because I, two people that are close to me uh, um, are both using CBD oil now. What do they say? Um, and one is uh, one's a cancer patient. One's a has brain cancer, and mm-hmm. and it was recommended by his doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And I was surprised by that. The doctor has been reading all the research out of out of Europe. I mean, we're just really behind the Europeans by uh, at least a decade uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, in the in the research area of this. We obviously uh, haven't put down our joints here in America at all uh, for all this time of prohibition, but um, but yeah, it, it's it's kind of remarkable. Um, and then someone else is close to me also uh, is is using it, and uh, she reports that it's it's working. Uh, the and 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 lowering her dependence on Suboxone, um, uh, and I believe this was an opioid uh, type mm. uh, um, um, uh, uh, painkiller. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it, if it lowers dependence on on, on painkillers, uh, you know, oh, let's I w- do it. I was living on Motrin, and I I haven't taken a handful of Motrin since I started using the CBD oil. And I also had have all my life had an irregular heartbeat that was really acting up uh, before I started the CBD oil, which I didn't start because of my heartbeat. I started because of my knee. Haven't had an episode since of any significance significance. Asked my cardiologist about it. He said, well, you know, I'm hearing that from other patients too. There's no research, nothing I can uh, offer except don't change anything if it's working. (laughs) Right. So Stephanie, uh, director of Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, you know, there are multiple ways for people to uh, donate. How can they reach out to you and uh, give generously? Um, well, they can go to the Reef location, which is on 8 Mile in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be doing a Roundup campaign, so as well as collecting donations there. Um, you can contact us at our office. Um, our number is 248-581-3907. Or you can go to our website, which is just LLS.org. Mm-hmm. Um, for this particular event, to get more information yeah. about what's happening on May 4th, um, you can go to MWOY.com. Um, and that is for our Man Woman of the Year event, where yeah. we have people from all over <laughs> southeastern Michigan running to compete with each other mm-hmm. to raise the most money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and one of them will get the title of Man uh, and so Woman of the Year. So we don't know who they are yet. We don't. We It'll have, depend on who raises the most dough. It does. Ah, so if you good. go to MWOY.com, you can see all the different people um, mm-hmm. around Metro Detroit that are running and make a donation to them specifically. Um, and help them uh, raise the most That's money. That's a clever to win. way to do it. Yeah. Most places just 
you know, shake somebody down for a donation and make them man of the year. So you're making the folks work for it. Oh, yeah. So 10 weeks uh. they have to fundraise. So we kicked off on February 21st, and the last day is May 4th at Ford Field. And that sounds fun. How many people are participating, Stephanie? Uh, we have 11 candidates running, so from wow. all different uh, walks of life. We have um, people from city office to doctors um, to people that work at, you know, just local businesses. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just the whole gamut of people, but just people that want to get involved and want to give back. And it's a fun way because who doesn't love a little competition mm-hmm. uh, among your peers? So we have them, you know, raising money in all different ways, doing events, um, putting things on Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. social media, all that kind of stuff to just raise as much money as they can in that 10 And weeks. what's your website? MWOY.com. N-W-M-W-O-Y. Stephanie Sawicki from the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. We appreciate you stopping yeah. by with us, and uh, good luck with your fundraiser. Perfect. Thank you so much. We Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you. Chad, what else are you writing about this week? Well, this week at the Cranes, we also have a couple – a really important story, I think, from Kirk Pino here about um, there is a flurry of hotel projects right now in Detroit, um, boutique hotels. Yeah, small, right? But um, yeah, we, but we don't have the big convention hotel that that – is sort of seen as the validator. Thank you, uh, Jenny Ayers, for that. Well, <laughs> we can bring back up this discussion about the Crown Plaza yeah. uh, expansion. They got uh, deep six by city council last fall. For not caving um, into the unions. Yeah, well, they had a plan to build a 400-plus room hotel, uh, a new tower to project, adjacent right? to the Crown Plaza with a walkway connected to Kobo. Uh, soon to be named uh, maybe TCF uh, Center, and <laughs> and um, and the city council put a, put the deep six on, a kibosh on it. They were upset with uh, with the hotel management. They wanted a unionization of the hotel. But uh, just last week, we had um, a, a flurry of new hotel projects that uh, we reported in Cranes. Uh, three hotel projects totaling 536 rooms. Um, uh, a, a new two, 228 room luxury boutique, um, 25 story uh, building uh, uh, you know, planned as far as part, as part of two skyscrapers right uh, at um, in Midtown uh, by the uh, just north of Mac. I haven't heard those words in a long time. Two, two skyscrapers in Midtown north of Mac Avenue has not happened since the 1920s. That's incredible. Um, I mean, so just think. Uh, Fisher Ta- Fisher Building, right. uh, the Cadillac uh, Place, uh, uh, former headquarters of General Motors, um, the McCabe's Building. I mean, th- so this is a this this is pretty pretty big uh, pretty big deal. But the problem, you know, th- still is that the all these three new hotels coming downtown. You got the you also got the Shinola that just opened. Uh, yeah. um, they're all in the hundred to to two hundred and fifty room range, and none of them are are bringing the big. Um, not, Number of rooms that are needed to bring more convention so business. Cumulatively, will that is that not as good? What's the difference? They want the um, major sporting events want to have a um, uh, they want to have a uh, you know larger presence over four hundred. So it, in order for us to get the NCAA Final Four or or even mm-hmm. 
apparently even uh, the um, uh, the Elite Eight, you got to have um, a couple of convention hotels over 400. We have we have the Marriott at, at the Renaissance Center that is a thousand rooms, um, and then we have a lot of of 300 room hotels or less. Um, and but 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 the NCAA requires um, several of these 400 room hotels mm-hmm. in order to be able to get um, you know the basketball team and all their fans yeah, there. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but and. Well, what, there's some argument that should we be making policy surrounding around trying to get one, you know, final four here. But there are other events. But, there, but you get convention business, and particularly close to the convention center, uh, most of every other city you go to, uh, their major convention center is just surrounded by uh, hotel. massive hotels. Yeah. And ours are a little disjointed. I mean, the Renaissance Center, it sits on sort of its own little island. And the market's <laughs> strong here. Most of these new hotels are, and old ones, right. um, my understanding is they're well above the 70% occupancy yep. rate, which is considered doing, ex- if you're in the 60s, you're considering doing extremely well. So yep. there's demand for rooms still that ha- that have not been entirely, has not been entirely met. Yet. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and there are other big hotels are at our casinos and those, they're not necessarily equipped for, to be, um, they're a different thing. They're right? a different thing because they're trying to bring people in. And the NCAA certainly couldn't stay at a casino hotel. They probably would not. Uh, no. And so, yeah, they're looking for a name brand hotel. And and so this is something that just kind of eludes uh, Michigan and, um, and and or eludes Detroit right now. And that's something that has that sort of has to be thought about. So, what are the prospects and where would we most likely see one of these big hotels come in? Do we have people sniffing around here? Well, the owners of the Crown Plaza still would like to build one right uh, across the street from Cobo. Um, there obviously is a, going to be uh, the demolition of, of uh, Joel's Arena is going to start uh, this this summer we're That's such we're a terrible told. location though well it is off the beaten path and and there's a whole lot of things that have to get kind of reconsidered in the reconstruction of how the lodge and Jefferson uh, meet up at that uh, at that um, uh, uh, strange confluence yeah. of concrete that is <laughs> that is that is Joe Louis arena and in that whole complex and so um yeah there's 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 that that factor i mean it, it's it you know if you're looking at the riverfront and you already see mm-hmm. um you already see that um uh the riverfront towers are there it seems like it would make sense for another set of riverfront right. towers yeah. we're, we're going to we're gonna get to back to that later in the show but we got to get to a break andre yeah, 8.40 the time right now, live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center. Uh, let's get a check here of the forecast right now. It is a cold 33 degrees in the city of Detroit. Uh, temps will move into the upper 30s as we move throughout the morning. And a high temperature today of 40 degrees and sunny skies. Uh, we uh, have right now a slowdown if you're traveling the southbound lanes of M10 Lodge Freeway just past I-94. Uh, traffic backed up in that area severely if you're headed towards the downtown Detroit area. We're also watching a significant slowdown along the westbound lanes of uh, 686 westbound just past Evergreen. There uh, is backup in that direction as well. This weather and traffic report brought to you by Weather Vision of the Total Traffic Network. I'm Andre Ash, live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center. More of the Nolan Finley Show coming up.
Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? Many people with Medicare are eligible for plans that include extra benefits in addition to those found in original Medicare. Benefits like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free with no obligation to enroll. In addition to hospital and medical coverage, at no extra cost, you could also get coverage for prescription drugs, dental, hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-571-8580. That's 1-800-571-8580. Have you been denied credit or hit with high interest rates? A low credit score happens to many of us, and millions of people are victims of incorrect items on their credit reports and don't even know it. That's why you need credit repair now. Our proven process has resulted in past clients seeing on average 11 negative items removed from their credit report and a 40-point increase after the first four months in our program. Call now and request your credit report and credit score for free in minutes. Call 1-800-783-9197. Listen up, America. Are you or a loved one suffering with an addiction to alcohol, opiates, prescription painkillers, or other drugs? There is hope. Medication-assisted treatment is proven most effective for opiate addiction recovery. Utilizing medications such as methadone, suboxone, and subutex Combined with inpatient treatment, you can achieve lasting recovery. Most insurance is accepted, so call us now. Please call Welcome back to the Nolan Finley Show. I'm Andre Ash, and of course, joined here with our guest co-host this morning, Nolan Chad Livingood from Cranes Detroit Business. Honored to have Chad in person this morning. Happy to be here, guys. Well, joining us on the line right now uh, as our next guest uh, is Scott Schaefer, uh, and uh, he's here to talk about opioids and uh, and the mix. Opioids and African Americans, um, and uh, and we know that opioids has been certainly a big conversation around here, both locally yeah. and nationally, and uh, it has really contributed to the deaths of many people. And uh, it is certainly one that local area law enforcement are trying to combat. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us on the line this morning. We appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes. So, uh, talk to us a little bit about the work that you're doing, and what are what are we seeing with the whole opioid ec- epidemic? Well, we uh, Higera Health is a large behavioral health organization in Western Wayne County, and we provide substance use disorder treatment uh, you know, at a variety of different levels of care. 
Um, what we're seeing is certainly an increase in opioid uh, use, uh, you know, especially with heroin, uh, but also the synthetic opioids of fentanyl and, and carfentanil and, and, and all that. So we're seeing a, a sharp increase in, in opioid use, you know, certainly. Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, interesting. We um, recently had the uh, Oakland County Sheriff's Department uh, announce a huge huge bus, uh, a drug bus, last week. And uh, the opioid we were hearing uh, contributed to, with the amount that they captured could, could have contributed to the deaths of 19,000 um, people. Uh, with the work that you guys are doing, how are you trying to combat this very serious, very serious issue, say that you're experiencing or seeing a rise in those numbers? Well, we're doing uh, we're doing a variety of different things, especially uh, especially out in the community. Mm-hmm. We've been, we've had substance use disorder treatment uh, for a, a number of years, and you know we we realize that with this epidemic, uh, we need to reach out to the community more. So we have. Uh, we have programs that are in uh, our local emergency departments, as well as uh, 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 federally uh, qualified health centers, uh, where we have case managers and peer recovery coaches. Those are folks with, uh, who are currently in recovery from drugs and alcohol and have gone through a training and certification process to, to help other people. Uh, and so they're, they're sharing their encouragement, their support, their guidance, uh, how they've, you know, how they've competed this disease in, in their own lives and, and really helping people uh, just, just, you know, find different ways in order to be able to deal with, you know, the reasons why they, they use uh, opiates and find better alternatives to, to dealing with those things. So we're reaching out in the community. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're involved with the court systems. Uh, like I said, we're, we're getting more involved in, in medical health care, just trying any, any avenue where anybody would, would go in uh, to seek help or would just be, you know, uh, seek services because of a substance use disorder related issue. We're trying to, to get out there and, and, and intervene as soon as we can. So what is the particular issue uh, with opioids in the African-American community? What, meaning, meaning why is it that, that that you're seeing a sharp rise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one really knows exactly why that is. I think one of the reasons is is with with the synthetic opioids, um, more and more are getting mixed in with all all sorts of drugs. So um, you, you've always seen you know you've seen fentanyl being mixed in with heroin, but I think it's also being mixed in with crack cocaine um, and with with anything else. That, you know, certainly because fentanyl is, is 50 to 100 times stronger than heroin. Um, so those folks that are that are out there distributing it uh, are mixing it in with with other drugs, and whether it be people knowingly or, or unknowingly uh, using that, and that's part of the reason why overdoses are increasing as well, um, because people are are using stronger uh, stronger potency drugs, and you know are you know are not able to uh, you know are, are not able to successfully use them, so to speak. So. So, you know, you're, you're having a, a more potent drug and that person then has a reaction, obviously, much quicker. Now, does the all of the uh, sort of spotlight on opioids over the last few years uh, and all of the awareness now of opioid abuse, uh, has that had any sort of mitigating impact? impact? Has that helped at all? Yeah, we certainly have seen, uh, you know, certainly more, certainly more, more services are out there. Uh, we've had federal, uh, you know, the federal uh, money, state money being uh, sent 
to be able to combat the the opioid epidemic. And you've seen kind of a not a not a stabilization, but certainly I think the maybe the last year or two, the you know it has been such a sharp incline. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that we've we've certainly uh, fixed the issue. Mm-hmm. We we certainly have uh, you know they continue to increase, and we continue to see more and more people overdose uh, from from opioids, especially. Um, you know, in 2018, Michigan had 2,700 people die of an overdose. Um, and so we're still seeing, you know, it's still you know, a problem out there. But, you know, certainly the increased services, I think, have had a positive impact um, and certainly brought a lot more awareness to the issue. And, and people have a lot more avenues to reach out for help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think, is, has had a, a great impact where, you know, it used to be, they, you know, they would you'd go to an emergency department or try to find treatment. Now there's there's avenues with the law enforcement and with you know uh, private physician offices and and court system and and that kind of thing. So I think you know certainly an increased awareness has helped as well. Now Scott Schaefer, uh, somebody wants to contact your organization uh, to to get services or to get help, get information on combating opioid abuse, dealing with their own uh, opioid abuse or that of a relative's. How do they get a hold of your organization? So they can just call our pre-initial department at Higuera Health, and that's 734-793-5026. And and just inform them which which uh, which services they're they're interested in. We we deal with both not only substance use disorder issues but mental health issues as well. And we have a variety of of treatment services uh, from outpatient through uh, withdrawal management and residential. And give the Uh, number one more time. 734-793-5026. 734-793-5026. If you need help, that's the place to find it. Scott Schaefer, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you it. so much. Have a good day. Thank you. Chad Livengood, you wrote um, a lot about the roads, the bad roads. You've written uh, a lot about it leading up to the gas tax proposal. And you've also, you know, examined that proposal in uh, you know, in, in quite a bit of detail since this 45 cent per gallon uh, gas tax was proposed. It went to the legislature, is going to the legislature. Not much of a warm reception there, and at least to the initial proposal. Where are we and what do you think we'll, we'll end up with? Before we do, let me give the number. You want to call in one, call in 313 Seven seven eight seven six hundred. Chad, what's the prospects of that gas tax? Well, it's March, and it's still early in the budget process. Yeah. Um, the legislature has this um, goal, uh, artificial goal, really, to try to get the budget done by the first week of June. That's purely a vacation uh, motivation. But they've um, done it the last eight years. Yes, they, mm-hmm. they've done it the last eight years when the they when they had full the control of, the re- of Republicans had full control yeah. of Lansing. Now we have divided government. Ain't um, going to happen this year, is it? Yeah, it probably is not happening this year. Um, so the legislature is is examining it, trying to wrap its head around the issue. I mean, one of the things you got uh, is you got a new governor comes in who has 14 years of experience in the legislature, who who spent all those years in a constant debate about the same exact subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she comes in with a lot of knowledge. You got a Senate that's half filled with representative, former representatives who, who voted on the last uh, um, vehicle vehicle or road road funding plan, mm-hmm. uh, the $1.2 billion plan that isn't going to be funded until 2021 fully. And, and then you have a whole bunch of, uh, you have a whole 
House representatives that was not there, um, and so they're right have, out of high school. They, most of them, they're right? they're they're junior associates, and they got to get <laughs> kind of up to speed on on uh, how how it is that we spend four billion dollars a year on roads, and we have really bad roads. What is the answer to that? Well, uh, it's it's because it's I complicated. That myself. So it's complicated, and it depends on which road we're talking about, uh, and the. Uh, the road, the money is split up. Basically, the, the easiest way to think about it is 39% of the money goes to MDOT. 39% of the money goes to um, to um, uh, road commissions, county road commissions. And the rest goes to cities and townships and villages. And, and, and if you go look at really where the bad roads are, yeah. I mean, the governor's using this, this, this uh, 78% of the roads are in good or fair condition. That's the MDOT maintained roads. That's yeah. That's, that's your a bunch of crap. That's your it? highways, your trunk line roads like Michigan Avenue it's not and the roads Woodward. you have to drive in and out to get to those places. No, and and those those are really bad roads. I mean, I, I wrote about heavy trucks a week ago, and, and of course you you can't uh, satisfy everybody's opinion about heavy trucks. But um, uh, one thing that kind of always comes to mind is. If you look on the street that you live on, and and if the road is in total shambles, how many semi trucks uh, right. are, are driving down that that road? The heaviest That's truck right. that comes down your down your street is is the trash truck, mm-hmm. and and so I think the big issue they've got to resolve is figuring out how to um, uh, solve this question about what about my street? Um, because if you do not solve that, and they didn't solve that in 2015, I don't think that uh, Governor Rick Snyder and the legislature had enough appreciation of 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 what people want to see they want to see you know things right at their level um and 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 you know they just that that's just something that's a challenge that both the governor the new governor uh, Gretchen Weber and the legislature have to overcome um i mean there are some subdivisions in suburban detroit uh, that were built in the 70s and 80s it's like driving on the moon i yeah. mean it, it is unbelievable and that, and i mean all I, over the region I have a friend that lives on an, uh, in a, one of those nice big subdivisions with half million dollar houses off a of Hall Road in, in Macomb Township, and um, and you, it's 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 amazing that they can have a half million dollar house and then have um, third world uh, street, um, and, and so and it's true. And how these, do you solve that? And these feeder roads, um, I talk often about Merriman Road through Livonia, where I live, which is barely passable. I drove this morning up up Merriman. And you know, it was if if somebody had been behind me, and there was no no traffic at that hour this morning. Somebody had been behind me, they'd wonder what on earth because I'm just swerving, right. trying to dodge potholes. And you have the luxury to do that when there's no traffic. But when there's traffic, uh, you know, you got grin and bear it. And the and the speed limit on this road is 45 mile an hour. You can't possibly safely drive 45 right. miles an hour in roads of this commission. But since the governor made her proposal, gas prices have gone up roughly 30 cents a gallon. Yeah. They're at absolute, almost 269 statewide yeah. average. They're moving you up. see it higher than that. Mm-hmm. And so this would push it, her gas tax would push it now over $3. And you wrote a long time ago, I've written, when that gas price was at 185 and $2, that was the optimum time to do this. Yeah, now that was you get a little dicey. Yeah, no, it gets harder and harder as that gas price. It gets harder to go even above twenty cents. Yeah. As that gas price gets closer to three dollars a gallon, the, no legislature wants to be responsible for three dollar gallon uh, gasoline. They just th- there's just something that just 
no no politician in general. That's why presidents and you know and, and members of Congress try to move mountains when when get, or they or they pull you know uh, big oil executives into into hearings and, and browbeat them. I mean, just think about Carl Levin and what he did for years about gas prices yeah. as as a U.S. senator from Michigan. So yeah, th- that's a that's a that's a problem. It gets harder and harder. Right. Um, I think the House Republicans are searching for this 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 panacea um, silver bullet that uh, that. Uh, that if they can just get the sales tax on gasoline converted into a gas tax that goes to the yeah. roads, they could they could at least say we we produced a billion dollars for the roads. You've got to fill another. Home. They got to fill a hole in the school aid fund and and the, and money for for municipalities. And those folks all have a lot of lobbyists yes. and they have a lot of pull. I always say that in Lansing. The three people that you listen to most are, are your local mayor, your school superintendent, and your hospital executive. That's right. Let's hear from Lashwanda. Lashwanda. Uh, <laughs> Good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to get your take on the um, island, um, on the um, Avenue of Fashion on Lipinois that's going to be removed. Oh, right, uh, right. Soon, I guess this mm-hmm. summer. Just wanted to get your take on that and enjoying your show. Thank you, Chad. Do you have a take on it? Well, the, I mean, I don't know the the history of when it was put in, to be honest. Uh, and but you know, you get a lot of grumbling about the island. It's hard to navigate. It was put in and, under the Bing administration, um, and some will say without any consultation consultation from community leaders. Uh, and it's been an, an issue for not only business but also. Uh, the fire department, it, you know, it it can't really turn those tight spaces to around yeah, Illinois. I mean, this was and a, it's hard to cross. They it. wanted to make yeah. it a boulevard and give that that sort of uh, you know walkable feel to it, but it's made access to these businesses a bit tougher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's the, the Duggan administration is going to have it torn out here mm-hmm. uh, as part of this larger streetscape uh, project, which. If you go, if you go walk some of those sidewalks on Livernois, they are they are rough, they are uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know that that place, that that area is really hopping. You drive there by there on a Saturday night at seven o'clock, and there are there are people out on the street. Um, and that was not the case three or four years ago no. in that stretch. And so yeah. you obviously have some anchors like uh, Bucharest and and um, and uh, Cuzzo's and mm-hmm. Narrowway Cafe, which has become yeah. a popular spot for politicians. Just last week, better. O'Rourke was there, um, and so I, I and 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 already uh, you know there's lots of other you know new new shops that have been popping up. Plus you got the develop the uh, the old B Siegel store All right. uh, that was torn down and that's being redeveloped and that Seven that project's in. coming along Living pretty on. well. And it's been so, a red hot area. Yeah, no, I think uh, I well, think this is going to be a big 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 change for it. We got to get to a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Chad Living Good about unkept promises in the city of Detroit. Stay with us. 840 the time right now. Andre Ash live from the Superstation Weather and Traffic Center. Let's get to the forecast. 34 degrees is the current temperature. We're moving up a bit and uh, temperature-wise. Temperatures will move through the mid to upper 30s as we head into the latter parts of the morning. Nearing 40 degrees for an afternoon high temperature on our sunny skies. Let's get a check here at other roadways right now. This morning we're watching a slow go if you are traveling the uh, westbound lanes of I-84 towards I-75. Traffic starting to build just a tad bit, uh, but easing up. Uh, we were watching some severe slowdowns in that direction on uh, just half an hour ago. Uh, traffic backed up a little bit. 
towards M53 Van Dyke. Uh, other than that, no accidents report during this rush hour drive, so that's good news as we move through this 8 o'clock hour. This weather and traffic report is brought to you by Weather Vision and the Total Traffic Network. The Nolan Finley Show on this Monday morning continues right now. Thanks, Andre. Uh, you can join our conversation this morning, 313-778-7600. And, Chad, we were talking a little bit uh, before we went on air about, you know, there's a lot of great things happening in the city of Detroit. There's also a lot of things that have been on the drawing board yep. for a while um, that haven't come to fruition and still a lot of called challenge, challenging spots challenging redeveloping spots that aren't yet getting any sort of uh, movement or momentum. But I want to talk to you first about the district. We all remember a few years ago when the Illages, the Illage organization rolled out this huge plan for what it dubbed the district, the area around the uh, new Joe Lewis arena, which was planned for that spot. They proposed a simultaneously built development of houses, condos, apartments, offices, uh, restaurant, basically, a by city. its name, a, a, a district that would be a city within a city. Yep. Everybody excited about it. Um, money, they, they asked for money for their arena project. I think they got, what, two... 40 to 50. Look it up. They got, they got $324 million. $324 million of public financing. And a lot of it was premised on this idea that this arena was going to be a catalyst for rebuilding that long neglected area up, up and down the Cass Corridor, up and down Woodward Avenue. That would, in effect, connect downtown with Midtown in a seamless, uh, seamless avenues of of developed, uh, put back into usable use uh, land. And the district, the arena got built, and the the business school, the, the Illich Business School, Wayne State, got built. But progress seems to be going slow on the rest of it. Yeah, and we, my, my colleagues, uh, Kirk Pino and Bill Shea, wrote about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And if people haven't read this story, I'd encourage you to go to cranesdetroit.com and just search District Detroit. You'll find the story, is the District Detroit delivering? And, yeah, when you're looking at this larger issue of this $863 million hockey arena, basketball arena that was built um, uh, with a you – know, 30, 40% of it being publicly financed, uh, there was certain promises that were made um, around building out a residential pad, um, particularly on the cast side. Obviously, uh, the whole Woodward side is mostly built out, although there's, yeah. there's a couple things there. That, you know, if you right, look right there at the corner of Henry and Woodward, there was supposed to be a hotel going up yeah. like immediately after the yes. opening of the LCA, yeah. and that's been a year and a half now, and there hasn't, no there's still a it's still a a guard, you know, a fenced off area basically, and there was supposed to be another hotel type building uh, attached to Hockey Town, like where the patio is. They were going to build something up in the air right there. Uh, there was going to be a um, uh, sort of a small mall like type um, um, complex um, in front of Comerica Park on Woodward, where there's a parking lot. Yeah, and oh, yeah. that hasn't materialized. Are we um, going to see any of it yet? 
Well, we don't know. I mean, the the, uh, the Illich organization, uh, it, there's nothing that sort of holds them accountable to to, to do these so they developments. they don't have to give the tax breaks back. They don't have to give the tax breaks back. The, the public financing is there. The bonds have been refinanced uh, recently. Uh, but what one one really important aspect of, of, of uh, Kirk and Bill's uh, investigation that I think uh, shouldn't be overlooked is uh, when the D- downtown Detroit um, uh, or the downtown development authority went to refinance the bonds, the two hundred fifty million dollars they had to refinance late last year, um, they had a problem getting the type of uh, favorable interest rate that they wanted because of the lack of of fill-in development mm. that is crucial to the tax capture. All these 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 economic incentives rely on if you're going to build this $900 million um, arena, then it's going to spur all this development around it, and that development will those, – those new business owners and property owners will then pay new taxes on what is basically vacant land yes. uh, or, or, or derelict empty buildings that are boarded up still on casts. And and they're going to then produce uh, tax revenue, and that tax revenue will then be captured right. to help pay back the bonds and, yeah. and justify the so, public support. But is is it looking more and more like a Ponzi scheme? Well, Wall Street uh, looked at this, and and they they came back and, and wanted uh, wanted more, you know, higher interest rates, uh, upwards, I believe, of ten percent. And so that wow. that that alone kind of uh, sends off a kind of a, a chilling effect that that. Uh, that this project isn't isn't uh, coming through as it was uh, as it was uh, um, um, you know portrayed. What the DDA had to do to avoid a ten percent interest rate was they had to go gobble together some other bonds for other mm-hmm. projects they had and roll it into the refinancing yeah. and make it more attractive to investors. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly been a message here sent from the investment community that that what 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 was promised here um, four or five years ago is not is not quite materializing. Okay. Look, we gotta get to some calls. Mike is on the line. Mike, thanks for Good joining morning. us. Hi, uh, thank you for my call. Um, Mike, we can't hear you, Just man. a little bit more, Mike. Uh, yeah. There you I have go. A, a question for Chad. Sorry about that. Um, I'm calling about, I want to ask about the Paradise Valley uh, that was uh, the redevelopment that was supposed to take place. And I had uh, spoke with uh, Kirk Fino uh, a couple weeks back, and he said that he thinks that it's on hold because uh, Archer Jr. is tied up in some legal stuff right now that has to be worked out. I'm curious to know why he hasn't been investigated because it seems a little strange that one man has all of this power. Can you comment on that? Yeah, we don't know a lot about what's going on there other than um, Dennis Archer Jr., the former mayor's son, has uh, his name has surfaced in the Gabe Leland um, investigation oh, yeah. and charges. Um, owner of Central uh, Kitchen as well. Yeah, and 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 we're, so we're not really sure to be honest what's going on there, and um, but it, it it has been in limbo for now. And that was another exciting announcement that is 
there was going to be a Meyer store and everything else. Was yeah, that right. No, that, a, that, that Meyer store was was hotly uh, read article. It was the most read article in two thousand seven. Because yeah, I mean, that's crazy one of the things downtown needs. Yeah, it's, 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 well, so that's one area that's along it. Jefferson with the Myers that you're talking about, the Paradise Valley separate uh, area yeah. is the okay. area. But neither that, one of them are underway. Yeah, and that's the, also the area that closed the Detroit Seafood Market, which is no longer. He's, in he's re- the college referring to the Paradise Valley, Valley the Harmony Park, Harmony oh, Park redevelopment. Yeah. And we haven't seen any movement there. No, then no, there's some vacant yeah. buildings still still sitting there too. Right. Okay, Ray, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Yeah, um, yeah, you got a lot of those uh, sophisticated uh, tax shelters just going around with the brownfield and all these other tax of uh, sophisticated tax schemes. Yeah, but the question I had um, about uh, you, uh, Nolan, and, uh, and Andre, and, and the brother on the keyboard. Uh, to me, uh, how did you guys come together? Because this is really a real example of inclusion and diversity on how you guys get along we, and how I this, think you learn. This is the Rainbow Coalition together. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to know. Ah, shoot, I don't know. Kevin and Al took a look and said, let's take uh, these three, four uh, completely uh, uh, incongruous folks and throw them together and see what yeah. we got. So I'm glad you – I hope you're enjoying Glad, uh, Ray, we're – Happy yeah. to be here every morning. Now we've added added uh, Chad this morning, who is another square peg trying to fit yeah. this round holes here. It's uh, a good example, man. It's a good example of diversity. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for listening, James. <laughs> thanks. Good morning, James. Hey, real quick question, man. Uh, first of all, well, not a question first, a comment. I think Andre's being groomed. Would I love it? I think that was a perfect move to put Andre right there. He can learn what he can from He's you. Big know time. Some people might get mad at that, but I think, Andre, you were put in a nice position so you can move to the next level, brother. You know who I am personally. I, I want you to learn everything you can, man. And when I tell you hit the ground running, brother, I expect to see you on one of them big TV shows. Kevin I thought Andre mind. was teaching us. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Technically, he, he is too because I know the things from Andre. But here's what I want to say. This is for you, Nolan. Looked pretty good on TV the other day, buddy. But I like for you to use your real power, Nolan. And when I say that, I mean, I, I would like to see you do a forum. Uh, man, what I'm going to ask you, I know it might not happen, but you and Bankley Thompson hold a lot of power, brother. If y'all can get together on this poverty issue, I think, Nolan, you can, you can really influence some of these leaders. They respect you, brother. Okay, not thanks, James. I appreciate it. So I'm just asking you as a person – that I know you love Detroit. I gave you a compliment months ago about I found out that you did right to help black people, and a lot of people dog you. But it's your delivery, Nolan. you got to admit yourself, you don't like anything, which that might not be bad, and you are very different. So for people that don't know the Nolan Philly that I've been watching, I used to stay mad at you until I started figuring out. Nolan don't know nobody's name. He's not going to remember. You're never going to get He's almost a part of the show. Hey. <laughs> James, thanks so much for your call. We I appreciate it, it. James. Appreciate it. Chad, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple other things, other parcels. One is the Joe Lewis arena. We talked about that a little. That as part of the bankruptcy, as part of the settlement, that was supposed to be torn down and redeveloped into residential, hotel, but that's sort of a challenging location, if you will. I mean, yeah, it's right. like the Maginot Line there uh, between Joe Lewis and the city. You can't get past it. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, people, when it was designed, that whole complex there in the late 50s into the 60s, um, you know, nobody would redo that and do that again. <laughs> it's I mean, it's, 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 you know, you got this freeway coming in, you got right this on the main riverfront. riverfront road that kind of collides in there, it has to tuck underneath the convention center to get there. Um, and then you have this, you know, um, um, you know, maze of of, of ramps uh, yeah. to get around to get either You'll on. clearly miss one of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you have to turn who, around and, and do the whole thing what again. What were we thinking? I mean, it was a complete disregard for feng shui, if you will, I mean, <laughs> yeah. in terms of of positioning uh, and using the natural environment. And the beauty of the city and the beauty of the riverfront, right. we just plowed through there and started throwing up concrete. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and parking lots. There, yeah. there was, it was, there was lessons learned when they built Comerica and then when they built Ford Field much, and much and LCA. They were built around the city so that the city could just encompass them. Whereas, you know, um, you know, Jolos Arena was just built on the river, and that was it. And, it and was just, built because. You know, they they felt their audience did not want to interact with the city. That yep. they wanted to drive in, park, get into the uh, arena with barely touching feet to the ground in the city of Detroit. Terrence, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Oh. Uh, you know, this is a very interesting conversation. And one thing I want to ask you guys, and I uh, hope you give me a chance to say what I have to say. You know, you're speaking about a lot of these uh, developments that are coming along. And, um, yes, there are some exciting things happening in Detroit. Yes, the Illages should be, should be held accountable for the promises that they made in regarding to getting public funds to help build that arena. But one thing I want you guys to understand that there are a lot of variables here, and I really want a very, very, if I can get a very nice answer from you guys. We're running out of time. Make it quick. Okay, I will make it quick. It took Detroit years to get in the position that it was in. I think it's hypocritical for people to think that it's going to happen in five to ten years. Oh, I think you're absolutely right, Terrence, particularly in the neighborhoods. Um, You know, this was a 60-year abandonment. It's going to you look, drive around the neighborhoods, and it's easy uh, to throw up your hands and say, "My God, this is hopeless, Chad." But you got to bite it off little at a time. Yeah, and that's what I mean. What we see with, with like the FCA project out at, mm-hmm. uh, at uh, Jefferson Dwarf and Mac is is th- this was inconceivable um, uh, five, six, right. ten years ago. Right. Uh, that uh, that a multinational auto company would want to build a new auto plant in Detroit, an assembly plant, um, and so you know, but but or flexing you had to come over the yeah, flexing gate, and that was a whole residential neighborhood mm-hmm. twenty five years ago. So you have to overcome the the big hurdle there is just assembling land that's contiguous, and without the you know the use of eminent domain like they like they had in the eighties and nineties. And I you know I'll say to that comment, I I do believe he's right. It's going to take a long time, but if you sim- if you, you can't say, well, my God, that's going to take forty years, and we yeah. and just give up. If you look, and you were here ten years ago, Chad, I was here ten years ago. You look at where we were ten years ago, both in the neighborhoods and in downtown, and you the progress has been 
Yeah. Unbelievable. We were talking about liver noise. I mean, 10 years ago, liver noise, uh, Avenue Fashion was... Right. You have to remember that time 10 years ago. You have to remember 10 years ago, this time right now, we were under the Bing administration and things just seemed stalled. Right. We were, you they know, were stalled. Post Kilpatrick and it was like, you know, yeah. nothing was really It was moving. political chaos in the yeah. city. It yeah. was. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at where we've come over the last 10 years, I would not have 10 years ago believed it. I would have said, yeah. wow, a downtown that looks like this... Activity in the neighborhoods, yeah, not every every place is getting fixed at once, and not every, everything is going to be fixed in the next 10 years. Right. But it's a darn good start. And with that, we got to finish. We're out of time. Chad Lyman, good. good. I want to thank you, guys. one of our favorite reporters in the city, and uh, always honored to have you on Thanks the show. Thanks, Detroit Business. On behalf of Martin Patton, Andre Ash. Yes. I'm Nolan Finley, thanking you for joining us. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will be, too. Coming up next, Hummers are.